Welcome to the Ross, L and Luke show. We're Aussie blokes, we're dads, and we're entrepreneurs. Between us, we've made a lot of mistakes and learned a few things about life, love, relationships, and business. And we're here to share those with you. You may get three different perspectives, or you may get one universal agreement. But whatever you take away from today, you can be guaranteed we enjoyed delivering it to you. Welcome. Hello and welcome. Howdy. How are you guys? Well, yes. Yeah, you know, good, excellent, excellent. Had a good night's sleep. <clears throat> awesome. Helps. I think that's always a really good start. Yeah. Sleeping, yeah. Sleeping, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that was my, I reckon probably once every once every month or two, I get that one good night. You can't make up the sleep debt, right? Um, you know that. I think the whole sleep debt thing is bullshit. No, it's true. It's true. I was in the bath last night reading a bit more of the uh, my favourite sleep book, okay. and uh, yeah, is that, is that the best place for a sleep book in the bath? No, nah, well actually, <laughs> <laughs> because I've got yeah, yeah, borderline narcolepsy probably not. <laughs> All I'm worried about is if I just wake up and my yeah sixty dollar hardcover books in the bloody <laughs> water. So I did stop after about four or five pages, but uh, there was a section in there about when we get old. And um, there's a certain pressure that you need, your body naturally creates to, you know, obviously set melatonin release uh, in play so you can actually get to sleep and wake up at a reasonable time. And they said uh, that that decreases uh, when you get older. So it's harder and you get caught in a bit of a vicious cycle. Uh, so there's a lot of sleep debt there. And that's why you find older people will um, sort of wake up really early you know sparrows fart they're the ones at four or five a.m you know just always up um and they have trouble getting to sleep uh you know at night and the problem is is they generally have a bit of a snooze later on in the evening or later in the day um and that actually um decreases that amount of pressure you know required in the in the sleep cycle to produce that melatonin and it's really hard to get out of so um, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a pandemic. It's like forty percent of the population in the uh, in the age uh, in the aged uh, sort of people um, that that suffer from it. Uh, so I know a few that are like that. So interesting, right? Um, so, so what do you think about? Uh, and I don't know if you've even heard of it. Um, the theory where you can actually sleep if you sleep regularly, you can sleep a lot less. Um, so much so that you can get down. I think the the record I've heard about is five minutes an hour. No. Not what? No. It's not it's non existent. That yeah. sounds like madness. Yeah. No, yeah, well it is. Well, so there's a lot of people throughout history that have that have done that. Um, that's the shortest I've heard of. Normally it's, you know, kind of fifteen minutes is usually what they get to. Um, Einstein, I believe, was one of them. He used to yeah. do that. Yeah, that's he, still that's still six hours and twenty four hour cycle. If he's doing fifteen minutes every hour. Well he wasn't doing an hour. Yeah, so five minutes an hour was the shortest amount that, you know, per hour. That was probably the, so the to keep the functioning. Time. Yeah, so I suppose you know it depends how you look at it. So to, to function at a at an optimal level in life, you know, uh, hold down a job, drive a car, and all the rest of it, um, you potentially wouldn't be able to do those kinds of things. If you're in a controlled environment, for sure, you could have you know that that may work. But yeah, it's a power nap theory. Yeah, yes and no, like there is things, there's, and, and everyone's got different, you know, points of view, um, but from what I've read that the power naps generally do help 15 to 20 minutes long, 
but um, also depending on what time of day you have them. If you're having them later in the day, uh, it can be a potential issue, especially if you're not, you're not young. Uh, young kids to have them later in the day is not too bad. It's not really gonna affect their um, ability to sleep. But if you are old and you are suffering from um, you know, waking up early and unable to get to sleep, uh, melatonin supplements, you know, good high quality uh, melatonin supplement from the States, don't buy the garbage that they sell in Australia. Uh, <laughs> you know, I won't mention the brands, but it's just rubbish. It's, uh, yeah, so that, that will definitely help that. But you know, yeah, sleep, sleep you know, covers everything. It's the repair that we need. Um, the brains, even, even to learn new things, are saying that uh, they've done studies where they put people on uh, four to six hours a night and then people that were on eight to ten and uh, they did a test in the morning and there was like a hundred questions and it might be recall and things like that um, and they tested them the next morning and there was a huge difference. I think it, uh, the people who got six uh, hours or less sleep um, resulted in you know, 60% less uh, of incorrect answers mm. compared to what they did, you know, to the to the other group that got a good night's sleep. So the ability to retain and learn um, is, you know, is linked to sleep. So if, if you're an entrepreneur out there and you, you know, you you're burning the candle at each end and you're going to these, uh, you know, you're going to seminars or even if you, you know, you're spending big money on, um, you know, learning, uh, but you're not getting any sleep, you, you're kind of selling yourself short. I'd, I'd hate to say so. Um, good night's rest is is imperative for, for not yeah for learning and you know, mm. and recall yeah and thinking thinking yeah I know my kids are pretty ratty when they don't get enough sleep oh, especially one of them he wakes up in the morning and you're like you didn't get enough sleep today did you, last night did you yeah no oh, I'm fine I'm <laughs> yeah I'm sure you did yeah Everything's I understand fine. so <laughs> so yeah that that's 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 yeah. I like reading. I like reading this book in in dribs and drabs, and it's got some really good, you know, informative stuff. So at the forefront of it. So then, what about the theory that <clears throat> some, maybe many, maybe most high achievers do use do go with less sleep? So one of the classics that was often quoted was Madre Petra. Yep. Yep. Um, Ronald Reagan was another one. Very high achiever. And, and do you know, the funny thing is, and here, I'll, I'll put it out, there's a big disclaimer on this, right? Because it's only just research. But um, they, both, uh, they both suffered from early onset dementia and I believe Alzheimer's. Mm. And there's links now, there's correlation between lack of sleep and the, and, and, yeah, the early onset of dementia. So you're looking at genes and genetics and this and that, but... Uh, this guy Matt Walker's looked at areas uh, where that relates to people not getting enough sleep, and there is, you know, if you look through the history books, there's those people that are, you know, that, like them, workhorses, known to get four hours a night, uh, sometimes less. Uh, that they they suffered from this, so there's definitely a little bit of a link, uh, they believe, uh, which is interesting, you know. So it should should be, um, you know, encouraged. Is it's the prescription. Yep. And there it is, you know, it's just because it's not sold to us in a little pill that costs a fortune and, you know, radically changes our life without us having to actually do anything, you know, like it literally is sold as it'll repair your brain, it'll help you, you know, think better, think faster, retain information, um, repair, you know, your body, uh, yep. you know, well, again, that emotions. Talk, talking to the entrepreneurs, there's, there's this whole world of hustle. Yeah. You know, so there's people 
but just believe you've just got to hustle while sleeping on bed and all this sort of stuff. So it's often associated with higher achievement, even at our level rather than mm. world leader level. So um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot there, yeah. And for some people, it does result in a higher achievement than what they had. Mm. I'm wondering if it's it's all relative, though. It is right? all relative. If it, yeah, it is all relative. Yeah. So, what if the hours you spend awake change? Like if you get less sleep and you don't get the healing your body needs, whether yeah. you'll just pass away earlier. So the number of hours that hours are alive, well, work out it'd be the same. Maybe. That's a, that's a great study. It's a lifelong study. They, it, I mean, there's you know, huge benefits. They say a simple shift in daylight savings time. You know, one way or the other, there's a twenty percent uh, mortality rate when we get an hour's less sleep in the Southern Hemisphere because of daylight savings. It's fact. Right. Yeah, and so guess what? It goes back 22 or 25% the other way. The Queenslanders are right. Yeah, like less. So this is a fact in hospitals. And okay. and the funny thing is about the hustle as well, that there was, uh, there was a story mainly from the medical um, fraternity that there was a, a doctor many years ago, I think it was in the mid, mid-90s, and this is where that terminology, you know, that where doctors work round the clock, you know, and that's expected. Mm. Um, that, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah they've got to operate on people and you're yeah. like, uh, uh, like, just strung out. It's equivalent to a guy, you know, being two to three times over the limit. Mm. If someone's worked a 20 hour shift, you would not let them near you in a heartbeat, mm. let alone with a scalpel and to make decisions. So there was a doctor who, um, he was just juiced up. He was on coke. This is why the guy, he was like a head surgeon at a hospital and this guy would work 18 to 20 hour shifts. Mm. And he'd say to his trainees, you, this is the standard. This is how you need to work. And then like this guy was known to import all sorts of stuff in uh, from overseas mm. to keep himself going. And they're like, this guy's insatiable. Like, what's wrong with him? You know? And they're like, well, that's just the standard. And so apparently that's where it sort of, yeah, you know, sort of stems from from the medical, uh, you know, profession. You know, not only accepting it, but it, it being the norm. Where you know, what's on the other side of the coin? If they are being sent home after a twelve-hour shift to get good amount of rest and you know rejuvenate, you know, what what would be the difference at the other end? You know, well, and what do they have in common with the world leaders? Big egos. It's all about big yeah, egos. Okay. It's it's yeah, big yeah. Big <laughs> egos, okay. Insert. Yeah. So yeah. all of you surgeons out there, that yeah. was that was Al saying that you've got big fucking egos, <laughs> and it kind of would feel good, right? Saving lives on the fly, you know. I don't know. Look, I'm hyper, you know, hypothetical. Being insured for the malpractice. That yeah, hundred cups of coffee. Yeah, just, just, just. Yeah, I'll rest when I'm dead. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of would feel cool now that I think about it. So, yeah, I can see how they do it. So, there, there is, it is a culture. Uh, so, working in the in that coaching space, yeah, uh, there is a culture that kind of, the you know, the good ones just put it out there as an option. There are some though that that attempt to make others feel like they're underdoing it by not, yeah, flogging themselves. Yeah, and Ross threw this question out there a little while back. Did you do it? while we're talking here or in another conversation about whether the hustle was required yeah as part of the the entrepreneurial journey yeah it's interesting so um there's you know speaking about the eight levels of human potential the the hustle appears at the third and fifth levels the you know the kind of warrior and the the entrepreneur driver phase Uh, and there's a lot of hustle in that space when they try to work really hard and create a lot of wealth. 
Um, and and it's almost like it's a rite of passage to go through to get to the other side of it. Yeah. And so, you know, can we skip that without being the hustle? Can we still get through that, you know, that level and learn what we need to without being a hustle? I, I don't know. I haven't yet seen anyone do it. Um, I don't know of an entrepreneur who's made lots and lots of money who hasn't been through the hustle. Good. So let's go to the very basic example that's always trotted out here. Before that dude ran the four-minute mile, it was impossible. Mm. Then he ran it and then everyone could run it. Yeah. It's possible. <clears throat> We're just spawning a different story at the moment. Yeah. Of course it's possible. Sure. As, you know, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just, I don't have an example that we can use sure. to learn from to, sure. to deliver, the, deliver the results. Sure. And I think the learning, though, is responsibility. Like that they're, that, that person is responsible for the result. That doesn't mean they have to do it. But there's a really deep learning that they can make things happen. But they go, I can make things happen. <clears throat> not I can make things happen through someone else. Right. And I, when they get that, then they get to look at, look at business differently, I think. Rather than, hey, I need to make it happen. Well, you do need to make it happen, but you don't need to be the one who makes it happen. As in, do, does the action. Yeah, look, it's interesting. I mean, I've got one, one coaching client that, you know, they've had success. In the, in the time we've worked together, they've had success, you know, in, in the areas they defined as successful. Mm-hmm. And we definitely went through a phase of, a, of amping up the, what was, you know, the, the focus mm-hmm. and, the, and the energy. Mm-hmm. We never once spoke about hustle. We never once spoke about sacrificing health and well-being. But we spoke about the opposite that actually health and well-being comes first. It does come first. Mm, it has to. And so, so that might be an answer. If hustle actually feels good, okay. Yeah. Because again, what, I'm not discounting what you're saying, Luke, at all. However, the best take I've ever heard on this sleep thing is we do not have to sleep eight hours a night every night of our life. Because that, like everything we do as human beings, we go through cycles. Yeah. And when we're kids, we sleep more like 12 hours. You know, So I'm sure there's a phase where we can rob Peter a little bit and then we just pay Paul at another time. Yeah. So. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> according to, oh, no, no. According yeah. to one expert. Yeah. Who's probably well, got an ego as big as a surgeon. <laughs> oh, he does. Jesus sells it, yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot of people that, there's a lot of studies that have been done that say you can't get your sleep back. Yeah. But that, yeah. Doesn't, that doesn't mean that you can't necessarily heal your body. Like what if, what if, what you've done, does, you know, does that say, well, you can't get your sleep back? Does that matter? Does that kind of matter? Can exactly. We, Exactly. Yeah, can we not still heal yeah. our, our body for what it needs? Because as sleep is healing, and as you was, Luke was saying, you, you were the learning as well. Yeah. We replay the day in our head and, and we get a deeper learning, um, which is why if you want to solve a problem, you go to bed thinking about what that challenge is. So, you, you know, you look at your goals before you go to bed and you wake up the next day with a, with a fresh view of your goals sometimes. So yeah, it's a great way to, to go to bed if you want to be working on something. You know, what is the goal that I want to achieve? Go to bed and hopefully wake up with a solution after a good night's sleep. Yeah, there's definitely an optimal amount of sleep. You know what I mean? And then they've got recommended, you know, retail, which, you know, everyone <laughs> should be having, you know, and, and some are different. So you are right. Like, you know, you might be a six. You know, I'm definitely an eight. I function better. So it's more just having that awareness. So you are right, um, you know, in that sense that it, it, it's all variable between, you know, each individual. So Yeah, I remember as a kid, I used to wake up anywhere between two and five in the morning. I was done. Like my sleep was done. Yeah. Two and five in the morning. Like I was made a very little sleep. But then there was a point in my um, my teens where I discovered it was nice to, like, to sleep in. 
and that was it. I've never slept the same since. Yeah. <laughs> so now I need a full, you know, a full night's sleep just like everybody else. Uh, and I don't function well, I know that, if I don't get enough sleep. Um, one, one night I can get away with, maybe two. Yeah. Um, but a third one, no. So my norm for, for as long as I can remember, so let's just say the last 20 years, is five to six hours a night. Yeah. That's my norm. And it's not, that's not every night, so yes, I'll have cycles where. So last night was probably nine or so. I woke, yeah. up, I woke up at one stage to have a drink of water then smash the glass and then clean the glass up and I went back to sleep. You were angry. <laughs> Damn you, waking me up. I just missed the uh, bedside table. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on plastic cups <laughs> Yeah, good idea. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm the same. No glass, especially when you're a bit groggy in the morning. That's so. right. That's uh, right. So, um, and, oh, look, I definitely, I woke up just, just after 9am actually and felt all right. So. Yeah, nice. And you look refreshed, though. I, I think, yeah. yeah, you look like you've been on holidays. <laughs> no, you do. I'm dead too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So that's... I could write a book, the nine-hour sleep holiday. That's it, mate. Yeah, <laughs> look, yeah, look like you've been on holidays for weeks, you know, <laughs> just after one night. Yeah. Uh, sleep habits and... All it, all it requires is an extra three hours <laughs> investment. Here's yeah. a fistful of melatonin and a, uh, you know, an eye pillow. Uh, yeah, sleep at this optimal temperature. But then practically speaking, the, the problem I've got is the brain activity. So, and again, that's, you know, that's why I just started like 20 years. So the time I've been in business has just been that, um, you talk about wanting to solve or solving problems, setting up your brain to solve problems. Yeah. So I, I can, I just say my brain does that anyway. Whether I want it to or not want it to, it's just mm. constantly trying to solve problems and constantly bugging me consciously with them. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. So, so much so. so you, do you still want that pattern? Um, I'm so used to it. I've never ever thought about whether I want it or not. Like it serves me clearly. Mm. Is there something better if I let go of it? Don't know. Mm. So why would I let go of it? <laughs> you know, I, I don't that's know. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. To, to allow that that fresh fresh <clears throat> thinking come in because mm. naturally it's it, it's innate. It's 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 within us. It's within everybody. And that okay. you know to to give it some uh, reference is that. Yeah, when we do go away on holidays or we get you know as far away from that problem that you're thinking about mm. all of a sudden the fresh thinking comes in and we find that problem mm. and it's not because we think about it more it's actually because we think about less. that less mm. and there was, there was there was a terminology by um george polanski so he's into that uh you know the three principles uh, kind of space and he calls it's like a you know, like a taco, like a, a speedometer in the car, uh, thoughts per minute, he calls it. <laughs> right. Yeah, he says sort of zero, zero to 50 thoughts, um, you know, mind's calm, fresh thinking, and then, you know, 50 to 100, yeah, you know, mild sort of stress, uh, and then you've got 100 to 200, and then 300 plus, which is uh, stress, anxiety, right. uh, burnout yeah, right. is a big one. And these are like 300 plus thoughts per minute. Um, and you're like, okay. And we, we all suffer from it. Uh, it was just an inter- interesting analogy, and I thought, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's right. So learning to quiet the mind through whatever practice, you know, it could be yoga, mm. meditation, you know, there's, there's a million different ways to do it. Just get out, play a bit of sport as well. Um, one of the things I've found useful, <clears throat> me, one of the things I've found useful for a lot of my clients is just to write down the stuff that's on their mind. Yeah. Because as long as it's still in there and it needs to be held, like there's nothing else holding it, then they just replay it. They just replay it again and again and again, and it really distracts from what they need to do. Yeah. They go, oh, I still need to do that. I still need to do the other. Instead of just focusing on what they need to do, 
So writing down to empty that, you know, empty the vessel so you can just focus on that one thing. You know, I've had a lot of clients yeah. say that that's worked really well for them. Simple, yeah, one step yeah. at a time, and that's a really good analogy. And, and literally, you do not need to change. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to think anything. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to say anything. You don't. You know, that's yeah. all that. That's We just lump it on our shoulders. We carry the weight of the world, and we're like, fuck, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. And you do feel it, you know. Like, you've only got a certain amount of hours in the day. Get done what you need to get done, step by step, break it down. Just do the most important thing that's next and focus on that. Be present. Do it to the best of your ability, right? Instead of doing a hundred things, shit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I've had a few people around me struggling with uh, with time, and they all, they all say the same words: "I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time." <laughs> and it's like, well, you know what? You do have time. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. Let's let's use the real words and say it's not a priority for me. And then in the in the saying, instead of it's not, a, I don't have enough time. You can say, I, you know, it's not a priority for me. And in that moment, you might go, oh, actually, this is a priority for me, because it's so easy if you've got kids and you're running around, you're running your business, and you're doing this, that, and the other. And the kid, your kid comes to you and goes, oh, dad, can you help me with with, with my homework? And I go, oh, sorry, son, you know, you know, I don't have time right now. Really easy excuse, and you're out. Yeah. But what if you change those words to it's not a priority for me? Oh, dad, can you help me with the homework? Sorry, son, it's not a priority. Let me help you with it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, that's made a really big difference to the people I've shared that with. Um, just changing those words. Stop saying I don't have time and just say it's not a priority. Because then you can let it go. Oh, I would have loved to have done that. I don't have enough time. If you just say it's not a priority for me, it's gone. It's not a priority. Mm. It doesn't matter. And if it is a priority, you'll know straight away. Then you can do it. Mm. Yeah. And life. You know, generally should have a bit of, you know, a bit of feeling of ease to it, you know? Mm. Like you're just sort of mm. organically addressing things that come up and, you know, yeah, you'll throw priority around things that uh, that matter and, you know, there's things that don't. You know, I have conversations with people now and I just, I get anxious when I know that I'm burning time here. This is, you know, I love to hear a story about another business person, you know, and their transport needs. And I'm like, this is so not, it's not relevant to me. Like, I appreciate your time, but I really, like, I'm, I'm really busy at the moment. So, um, you know, instead of just listening for the sake of listening, you know, um, that that's me in that sort of space. You really have to guard your time carefully and what you give away because I like, like your kids, they're not going to be there forever. Mm, yeah. You know? Like, Dad, come in here. I've got something to show you. And it's, you know, it could be anything. It could mm. be the, you know, the hundredth drawing for the day. There's just a blue dot on a white bit of paper. That's not going to be there in ten years. Yeah. Might not be there in five. Might not be there tomorrow. So, mm. that's, you know, listening to yourself there and like having the ability to go. This is not going to happen all the time. Mm. This is not going to happen much longer. So I embrace it. You know, it's like all. All the other stuff will come, it'll be there, especially work and life. It'll always be there, but your relationship with your kids and you know, friends and, and all sorts of family, it won't always be there. So for me, that's been a big focus for having that awareness. And I think about it, but I know my son's growing. He's like, you know, he's only 12 and you know, he might be out of home in five or six years. You're like, yeah. Certainly be on the streets in a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you're like, well, we, we won't have these moments. So, and I think about that at the time of the yep. interact. So, yeah. Hmm. So, we've spoken about sleep and the hustle and, and business <laughs> and time. And so, how do you guys feel about the, I guess, that catchphrase, work life balance? Well, 
on its own, it's just a bullshit phrase, isn't it? <laughs> um, however, I do agree. I'm just doing. Yeah, however, <laughs> I'll put it out there because that's how people look at it. Well, however, if we if if we apply it, if we each apply it to ourselves individually, then it can have meaning. Whatever meaning we ascribe to it. So, um, but when you look at it, a guy that's uh, or a person that's scratching, you know, to to cover their living costs will possibly want to spend more time at work to improve on that than someone who's, who's got it all nailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, the person who's got it all nailed has developed a habit of being at work a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, yeah. Look at the tendency to hustle and, yeah. So, I, I'd like to zoom it out a little bit. But the, the reason why I think it's a bullshit phrase is because <clears throat> there's so much that, that we do talk about day to day that has... Little, little real impact because of the big game that's going on. And the big game that's going on is that we were brought into a world, but largely, and this is, you know, so as, as the whole world is gentrified, it becomes the more and more the norm, you know. We're brought into this world where we're expected at a very early age to adopt societal norms to go through a typical education process with a typical outcome of serving on a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't recall, and I went to a decent primary school and a decent high school and a decent university, I don't recall the conversation of purpose being there. I don't recall the conversation of vision being there. I don't recall anything other than um, learning a whole lot of stuff with no understanding of why we were learning it. Yeah. And being, not being challenged in any real way as a person. And getting to the end of it all and just making a decision, I can't even tell you, I still can't tell you why I made some of the decisions I made at the end of it all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. other than just following, so I guess for me it's been that swing between being me, which is resistant to what's going on, for, so no no rationale on that either other than resist what's going on, to, oh, I better do the right thing, I better pull my head in and do the right thing, do what is expected of me. Mm-hmm. That's been my way of dealing with most situations for a long time. Yeah. It's only recently, so it's only in my mid forties where I've started to think: what, what actually is, what, what is the point for me? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I think that's. I agree with that work-life balance. It, it shouldn't be a choice between both. You know? um, it, yeah, it's again what you prioritize and choose to put your your time and effort into, and and yeah, at different points in your life, you're going to want to put a bit more in to build and set yourself up. You know, potentially that's a model. Um, but yeah, there's there's a chance there that you'll get through most of your life and realise that you've spent too much energy in one area uh, at, the, at the detriment and sacrifice of the other. So yeah, I always encourage the, you know, I, I do I do enjoy the hustle, you know what I mean? Like I, I do like to get shit done and you know, I like to be busy and all the rest of it. But, you know, there, there comes a time where, yeah, things suffer yeah. uh, but you know not having awareness around that uh, will have an impact and at what point that you realise that is different for everybody uh, I think you know sooner the younger you are you can realise you know where that emphasis and energy should go um, depending on what you're looking to achieve or what outcome you're looking for in life uh, the better off you'll be yeah. I always teach kids don't put so much on it man. you know you're young just yeah 
you're gonna have a hundred goes at this. This is just a chance for you to get better. Like shit, you know, because no one's gonna die. The world's not gonna end. And it's a real simple mm-hmm. analogy. Did anyone die? I heard it again the other day. Yeah. Right. What do you mean? No, look, the fucking photocopier doesn't work. No, it hasn't worked. So did anyone die? What is he talking about? Did anyone die? No, they didn't. So cool. We're all good then, aren't we? Yeah. So go away, have a bit of fresh thinking around it. And a guy I used to work with all the time, he used to say that too. I'd ring him up on a Friday at three o'clock and we'd have a massive week and Hey, listen, mate, we just need to get out to, you know, middle of the city just to, you know, have a look at this job. I'm a, you know, I'll keep going. That's when I had my hustle days. And he go, listen, mate, as much as I love to work, like you, like we both love to work, it's Friday, it's three o'clock. Um, is anyone going to die if we don't get out there? And I said, what do you mean? You know, again, mm-hmm. no, we just, he's going, well, just, no one's going to die, are they? And I said, no. And I just was laughing. I thought, oh, God. So I had a bit of a, bit of a realisation that he's right. He goes, bring the client back and, and tell her, it's three o'clock, we'll see you Monday. Yep. No one's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best piece of advice I ever got. But that's how we relate to everything in life. Yeah. You know, like, like if we don't do it right now, you know, we're going to die. Um, but, you know, what does matter right now? Like, that's the, you know, that's the real question. Yeah. You know, so many things are missing out of. And, and when people talk about life, you know, work-life balance, I, I think it's really important just to focus on well, what part of your life isn't working, your life or your business, whatever part's not working, and then just inject energy into that. And that'll make a difference to that area. You don't need to, you know, try and make it all balance. You want something, you have something, an area of your life isn't working, inject some energy into it, make it work. You know, spend, if it's got to be time, it's time, but it's not always time. In fact, it's rarely does it have to be a significant amount of time. Normally, it's just focused energy with an intention. You know, you want to have a better relationship. Well, what's going to make that relationship better? You know, is it flowers? Is it a romantic dinner? Is it a movie? I don't know. What, what is it for, for, for you and your partner? And just inject the energy there. Yeah. Mm. That's a sort of symptoms-focused approach. Now, I'm not saying that's not appropriate because some people have got pretty bad symptoms. However... Going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, it's not that I wish. I would have been pretty happy to have been taught something other than this bullshit of toe the line or there's something wrong with Mm. you, you know? School, school, school. That's right. It's simple as that, isn't it? That's well. That was how. That was basically how I felt about life until a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. If we do not toe the line, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And all the signals are there for that. Yeah. And then. Well, that's all the school is. Yeah. Well, That's not right a school. Wrong. Not a school. The authorities. That's the message from the authorities all the time. Mm. You know. Now, now. No, I won't even go into it. There's just so much, so much amazingly trite shit going on to to force us to comply. I've been told my daughter, who's fifteen, has been told she uses the word "comply" too much, and we all know where that comes from in our world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 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 my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> Did she reply? Comply, 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 comply. Did she just keep saying it until uh, that person said, uh, yeah, "No, no, happened. she, she just, uh, she just expresses herself um, a lot like her old man, poor girl." So, I have certainly been mindful while while doing what I was doing, which I, you know, I more or less inherited from my old man. He was a 
He ran the freaking place, but he was a six day a week. Yeah. Okay. Um, so while kind of doing that, while, mod- while emulating that, I was always saying to my kids, you know, the most important thing, I don't give, I've said to them, and they know it, I don't give a shit what your school results are. I do not care. Yeah. I do not care one little bit. What I care about is that you are, that whatever you choose to do, you, you do. And then if you change your mind, change your mind and then change and then do whatever you're doing next. Yeah. And do it and be in it and find what pushes your buttons and do more of that. You know, that's really, that's been my message to them for a very long time. Now, their mum is a teacher, oh. holds education in high so school. Stupid. Yeah, it's like a... So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the criminal son of a, uh, you know, a judge. But, uh, so, but, so I don't know. Maybe there's balance there. I, I don't know. But I would like to think that, because uh, of course their mum's not wrong. It's just different points of view. And so... I would like to think that when it, when it comes to that moment in time where they start to actually make their own decisions for themselves, yeah. they'll at least have more than one idea and they'll actually feel liberated to make their own decision and knowing that there's different opportunities and none of them are right and none of them are wrong. It's just about doing what they believe is right. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I also think that, that kids who are you know, inspired by their teachers about life and are given some real life skills and, and then presented with choices will often choose to study. It's better just kind of ramming it down their throat. It's not like kids walking around going, I don't want to learn anything. You know, they're kind of natural sponges. It's just part of kind of being human to, to want at that age to learn everything you can. Yeah. Um, except maybe one of my boys who thinks he already knows everything, but he still enjoys learning. However, what's, know, what's his favorite activity? Sport. All right, what sport? No, anything. There's a ball involved, that's it. <laughs> He's all over it. So yeah. if he was to do a maths assignment mm. and he could do it all around Sport. Sport. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So this is what I discovered with my son. So I think he was in primary school. He was following my trajectory, which is he was smart enough to find the you know, because the education system is still bit at a level. Yeah? Yeah. He was smart enough to be well well above that level mm. and so bored. Yeah, yeah. And then I can't remember what year it was. Certainly primary school, he did a maths assignment and he used Minecraft. Have you come across Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Your kids yeah. Yep. yep. So, yeah, they've been doing that at school for, I think, since... Well, so in the end, he did his maths, and he created a Minecraft maze, and he, all the elements of his assignment, you know, his teacher loved it. Cool. Yeah. And, and I noticed, because he showed me um, a big maths assignment he did in the last week and a half, mm-hmm. with all that snowboarding, the physics yeah. of snowboarding. Sweet. He's a good snowboarder, he loves snowboarding. And yeah. So he's taken that for a good six, seven, eight years now. Mm-hmm. Of, okay, what do I love? And how can I then do what the school needs me to do? Talking about something I love, which makes it a lot easier. So, so I feel happy, proud, call it what you will, that, that, mm. I've, that I've helped him come up with a way of at least getting through the really boring shit mm. in an enjoyable way. Yeah. Daughter haven't got there. She just hates it all. She just <laughs> cannot, yeah. have not found a way to motivate that one at all yet. But, um, but I, I take that on and say to myself, I, I don't think I've I don't think I've given enough attention to, to to where she's at to what to what really yeah I take that on as yeah. the parent I take mm. that on or as one of the parents that, that's that yeah that vested interest and we all have it as parents mm. but I'll put it out there what what if I said that we we have no control over 
the outcome of our lives. <laughs> you're asking us to do this. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Oh, like, okay, oh you're saying you see that to No, that's yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay. I think Ross and I share a similar philosophy here. Are we about to launch into another half hour well, conversation? Mine, this is really simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what Lou just talked about, <laughs> talk about to me is it is critical, actually. And uh, I think this answers that from my perspective. And that is this. Do, apparently, Leonardo da Vinci has the highest IQ ever. So somehow they retrospectively measure it higher than Albert Einstein. Yeah. So well, him, Albert Einstein, take your pick. Very high IQ, right? Very intelligent guys. Now, would it be generous to say that they, either of those guys on their own would know everything there is to be known from the point of humans? Yeah. Everything that's come before them in their moment and after. Not like, even, if, not for even them close. to know 1%, that would be generous, would it not? Of all human knowledge. Yeah. Right? So in, intelligence doesn't also mean that they know a lot. I just want to, I just well. want to keep this simple. Yeah. I just want to keep yeah. this simple. Yeah. But I, I choose Einstein and Da Vinci because mm. those guys are, are seen as people that actually took us forward. They actually were, mm-hmm. had, almost had a divine yeah. creativity about them. Yeah. You know? So I'm not just talking about some dude who built a bigger business. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking yeah. about guys that actually, yeah. So, and the point is this. If we're generous and we say they know 1% of all human knowledge. Yeah. That implies immediately they don't know 99%. Yeah. All right. Now, yes, in maths, in, if we talk maths probability, they, they actually know 0%. They actually know nothing in the whole scheme of things. Mm. So that means all of us are the same. So all of us effectively, in maths terms, in probability terms or whatever it is, we know nothing. Yeah, yeah. And so to ever say, I've got the answer or I know what the outcome should be is false because we know nothing, we know next to nothing. Yeah. Well, even Einstein himself said, you know, I can do an, you know, an experiment a thousand times to prove I'm right. All you need to do is once to prove me wrong. Right. And hence why, again, I would, I would cite him over many others. Mm. I mean, there's this whole scientific world of, you know, science proves things. Unlike religion. It's bullshit. Most of us do. Mm. Probably all of us do. Yep. Yeah. The number so, of things in the last probably 20 years that we've... That we've <laughs> Taken as gospel from science, you know, learnings and discoveries and everything else, and we've just proven them to be wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> no, just, just, just like the, the earth being flat. Now, how long was the earth flat for? <laughs> Another form of ego. <laughs> so, anyway, so that to me, that's the answer to what you just raised, and that is that, that we absolutely have no idea of what the result should be, or we have ideas of what it could be. We have an intuitive idea of what, what can serve. Yeah. Because I think that's actually the better question. It's like rather than what will the result be, it's like what's what's just going what's going to serve us in this situation. Yeah. So yeah, I, I suppose what if we took the you know the hands off the control, so to speak, you know, instead of driving your eyes. And that that is that is having that a bit like well not the ability but just so we go into it into life, understanding that we don't we we have no control over the outcome mm. of life, like how we end up. And, and this is complete, it may seem completely woo-woo. Uh, where we end up, what we do, how we do it, how we respond. We, we, we go through life, uh, you know, not relying, but understanding that, you know, our innate ability for things to come up as we need them. 
We're manifestors. From inside of us. We're manifestors. We will come out yes. when it's needed yes. to make the but, right decisions. So I'm not saying don't make any decisions, don't be strategic, but just having that understanding, uh, you know, that we can rely on ourselves. Yeah, Elon, Elon Musk's parents, according to you know, his book, they didn't do any discipline. They didn't believe in it. They believed that children would just naturally figure out what was right and wrong. Yeah. So they didn't have any, they didn't discipline their children. Right. And, you know. I, I kind of believe in that. Like there's some instances where, you know, you might need to put a few controls in place to mitigate, you know, uh, anything getting too out of control. Uh, but, yeah, I'm a fan of that because mm. everything passes, you know, the thought that they have in their head there um, at the time you know, when they're cracking the shits in the middle of the shopping centre. I stand there, you know. People go, man, you're patient. I'm like, no, I'm not really, but I'm just, <laughs> I, I understand that this will pass, you know what I mean? And there's the, there's the, there's the other option is to scream and yell and manhandle them and, you know, assert your power and, you know. Or you can get on the ground with them. Yes, that's and another option too. Love it, Have some fun. Yeah, play hide and seek with them. Yeah, <laughs> run off around the corner with the trolley. Yeah, disappear. Where's dad? Where's mum? Where are they gone? And the, just going back to that, the problem with disciplining children is it implies that what we do is a good model. I mean, mm. they children model most of what they do yeah. in the early days on us anyway. Yeah. So to me, the implication of a parent disciplining a child is trying to force the child to do something that they won't do themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a really yeah. good realization, I think, for a lot of people. Um, really getting what you know what kids are doing. You know, their main way to learn is is to model other behavior. And you know, before they've really started picking up, you know, traits from other kids at school, it's all us. Mm. Yeah. And to go, hey, don't do that. Oh, it's fine for me to do it, but not for you. Like, come on. Yeah. But their their biggest their their greatest asset, I think, with kids is the ability to let let go of things really quickly and that's what I always encourage oh, I've got one of each yeah that holds on to it does that apply to girls as well yeah yeah they're both yeah yeah and because that's that. the other one just lets go in a moment like yeah so I got one of each one that'll let go just like that yeah um, really good at letting go uh, and the other one that'll just hang on to it and hang on to it and yeah really blow it out of proportion because they're patterns that you know you take through you know through your life you know they'll 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 manifest in other areas and, you know, potentially, you know, you can get a bit stuck too when those sort of patterns and behaviours loop. Mm. So I, I think it's important and I encourage it. You know, it could be the worst thing in the world that's just happened. You've had to sort of reprimand a kid and say, look, this is, you know, we're not cool with this. They're not listening. Uh, but then half an hour later, you know, they're bouncing around doing cartwheels as if mm. nothing's happened and mum's there going, does she not understand what, what happened <laughs> half an hour ago and how badly behaved she was? Yeah. So to have that conversation, hey, look, I love you and I'm glad that you're happy. I'm happy too, right? Mm. Uh, we still need to have a chat about what happened earlier, you know, so I think just bring that up. At the time, I think it's really important. But Afterwards, it's, it's a bit challenging because they've moved on. Sometimes yeah, at the time, if there's enough uh, aggression in the air, it's a bit difficult to have the conversation. Yeah, it can be, yeah. True. It can be, yeah, <laughs> it can be sometimes virtually impossible to have a when, conversation. When the decibel level has, has reached a certain point. Because they're, they're full in their head, so at that time, yeah. they're, and they're, they are, literally, it's like anyone, they're, they're not going to respond. Yeah. But I believe taking it up down the track gives it time for them to sort of reflect a little bit too. It's like a debrief. Like yeah. It. If you do it later, it's just like a debrief, which is okay. 
It is. I just think of the, the for myself at the time, the closer we can do it to the time, the more important. But it depends. Like if there's one, you know, I got one kid that'll hang on to it forever. I could talk to him probably a week later, and it's, you know, you know and it'd still be very present for him. Yeah. Um, whereas the other one, I talk to him, you know, an hour later, he'd go, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> he doesn't even. He, he'll take his jumper off at lunchtime, and then you, and at the end of the day, you'll you'll go pick him up, and you go, oh, "Where's your jumper?" You go, "Oh, uh, it's in my bag." You check his bag. No, it's not in your bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's great. It's a great. So the moment, yeah, I, I remember. Um, I first noticed this when we used to take him to uh, to Auskick, and he'd run around the field. He'd get hot. He'd take his jumper off, and then he'd just let it go where it was. Um, although that was a, that was an improvement from when he was a little baby. He used to take when he finished with something, he used to just throw it. Like if we're done, throw. Done with that, throw. Done with that, throw. So we uh, we worked on that so that when he was done with it, he put it down instead of throwing it around the house. Yeah. Um, and then on the footy field, he'd take his jumper off and just let it go wherever it was. And you and you'd see him come back after afterwards, and you go, "Where's your jumper?" And that would be in the, trampled in the middle of the field. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Focused on what he's, you know, what he's doing at the time. So living in the moment and being present. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And the other one holds on to, you know, onto everything. So totally different kids. One can just let go like that, and the other yeah. one hangs onto it. Okay, maybe yeah. I should um, have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> His room. You kids are now sharing. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Dad's got a new study. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all different beings. Very absolutely, cool. absolutely cool. Well, we've been uh, we've been chatting here for for a while. It's been a very so. organic discussion today. It has, yes, it has. So, uh, so hopefully that that question, that questions like that, are really great to start to, to start an episode rather than near the end of an episode to begin a second one. But uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I've uh, really enjoyed today. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Hooray. Ciao. Bye. Cool.